Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Skyline KC Coffee Chat. I am your host, Andrew, and it is December 28th, 2022. Again, it's hard to believe that this year is wrapping up soon, but nonetheless, let's talk about some coffee. So in the last episode, I kind of introduced myself and explained that I became a hobbyist enthusiast and turning into a small business owner. Uh, my current startup business is called Skyline Coffee. Primarily because I absolutely love the Kansas City skyline. It has always kind of taken my breath away because of the memories and the places I've been there. And, and just every time I see it, I kind of get that 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 rush of, of serotonin. It's just amazing for me. So I wanted my coffee brand to represent everything I love about Kansas City. And that being consistency, diversity, and just a, 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 an embracing of community. So let's jump right in and talk about some more roasting techniques and then also I'll, I'll cover some some brewing techniques as well so with home roasting the question is okay so what do i do with with roasting how do i roast these things and honestly it, it can be quite simple in fact you can simply roast coffee beans just in the pan you can use any any sort of pan will do non-stick's probably preferable and you just don't use any oil or anything you, you just kind of roast them and you, and you stir it around as if you were cooking just popcorn or, or roasting spices or something like that. And you do this for, um, you know, maybe 15 to 20 minutes, depends upon, again, the moisture, the humidity, the, the variances in the coffee. And you do this until um, the coffee turns to, you know, a light roast, medium roast, or dark roast, whatever you would like. One thing to look out for, no matter what you're doing in whatever coffee roasting you're, you're doing, is that the chaff and smoke. So... The chaff is the, the, the kind of byproduct of roasting coffee that rubs off after the coffee is starting to shrink. And so it, it's releasing kind of like a, a, a kind of thin, papery light that gets everywhere, honestly, if you don't have a chaff collector. Um, and also at the higher levels, because of how fast and how hot the bean is, the chaff starts to smoke and starts to burn up. And this can be alarming for people who, who tend to enjoy medium to dark roast and who are getting into roasting at home for the first time because like oh my gosh like it's smoking it's on fire and it, it it's kind of a uh, nerve-wracking honestly uh i as i said earlier i prefer light roasts light to medium roasts but i have you know challenged myself to to try to try recommended flavor profiles especially of some brazilian coffees which recommend darker roasts and uh, it always does make me nervous to to go to the extra mile and set off a smoke alarm which actually i did in my apartment the first actually i wasn't even roasting a, a dark roast but i was just roasting coffee in one of my other uh kind of at home machines i have and i set off both the carbon monoxide alarm and the smoke detector alarm within the first week of me living there which i was like okay hi neighbors welcome it's me i'm roasting coffee uh but it was it was nonetheless okay no 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 fire department isn't anything like that so needless to say it is very important that you realize that if you like to roast coffee that there will be byproducts of chaff and smoke and that it may actually actually what's interesting to me too and i didn't realize this before i was roasting coffee is that the coffee after it's done roasting and the coffee while it's roasting is two completely different smells in fact you might find that the coffee while it's roasting smells different and kind of off and you're like why would i enjoy this but again that that's just a mixture of of the air of the water escaping uh, mixed with the chaff uh, chaff burning up and it's it isn't that pleasing although i've kind of gotten accustomed to it 
and it does have a sense of okay yeah i'm roasting i really like this and in fact when i visit local coffee shops in kansas city and i smell that smell, i'm like oh my gosh the roasting right now is so cool and then sometimes i'll, I'll see if i can actually go to the roasting room because sometimes these cafes have like open roasting rooms where you can go drink coffee and watch them roast coffee which is incredible and i always enjoy doing that as well so back to home roasting it is very imperative that you you make sure that you are attentive at all times to to what you're roasting because it can go from medium to dark to on fire within a matter of seconds. So what you need to do is make sure you, you know, <laughs> if you're scrolling on your phone or whatever, you need to be by, you need to like babysit it consistently, especially if you're very new to it. Once you get, you know, a little and you know, a little more into it, you can then then be okay, I can go step away to this one thing, but honestly, you don't want to be time consuming with anything else because it's like cooking. You don't want to forget about your souffle, but even still, it's more active than something baking. You have to make sure you're watching the temperature, you're watching the, the amount of chaff and the amount of smoke, and if you need to adjust properly, then you can do so. Obviously, if you're doing a more uh, simplified technique of either using like a, a popcorn popper or ceramic um, coffee roaster or even just a, a, a nonstick frying pan, Obviously, you're going to want to be active and moving it around. Otherwise, the coffee will be uneven, it'll burn, and you'll have a mess. Um, so with the chaff, if you use a, a, a coffee roaster, an air roaster, usually there's a, a chaff collection chamber because the through, through physics, the hot air is pushing up the chaff into the collection chamber. And because the, 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 the chaff is so light and, and fluffy and flaky and it gets everywhere even at the chaff collector honestly but that helps tremendously so it'll collect all the chaff and after the the roast is done it'll kind of stay in that chaff area but it's important that you empty it out after about five minutes of letting the roaster cool down otherwise the chaff will fall back into the coffee and then that's just another mess too i have found that chaff doesn't necessarily alter the coffee too much it just again makes it a little bit more messy when it, when you're when you're um grinding it because flakes go everywhere and also there's some other dechaffing methods like i have used like like a sieve before or like a screen like a kind of a screen to kind of rub off the chaff to make sure that it's clean and good this is especially important if you do like a handheld type of type of roasting because the chaff won't come off naturally because there's no like continual movement that makes it makes the air rise and, make, and have the chaff come off also when it comes to other roasting techniques there are a multitude of products out there. Um, I have used an, a, a tabletop air roasting one, which only roasts about eight ounces of coffee, which was great when I was just doing it for me and some of my family, but not great if I wanted to do a startup business. And of course you start out small. I would love to someday have a, a giant roaster and you know roast coffee for hundreds, if not thousands of people, but starting small and starting, starting meek is no way a shame. So I would recommend to do your research. There's lots and lots of products out there. I would recommend starting with a hot air roaster first because it is very consistent. It doesn't require lots of technical understanding. It does, again, require that you have to be there and be present when the coffee is roasting. But at the same time, it is forgiving. And it definitely allows you to, to keep coming back and making mistakes and not have a big mess on your hand as long as you're relatively careful. Again, it is really a rewarding experience to get into home roasting, so much so that I have developed my own coffee brand, and I would say that my dream would be to develop this coffee brand that develops into this new reinvigorated sense of cafe culture. I 
adore cafes. I love the cafe culture that exists here in Kansas City and in other parts of the United States that have picked up on this new wave of coffee, this this chill vibe, so to speak, experience. I know it really got to start, especially in Seattle, and it's worked its way across the country. And I always love it if I go to a small town or a different place out of state and I see this craft coffee place and I'm like, yes, I'm going there. I'm spending a couple hours there and getting to know the, the, the local culture and what the baristas think and what they do, if they do the full time or what they do, you know, what their, what their dreams and aspirations are. I think that cafe culture is definitely a melting pot for ideas, uh, welcoming of all diversity. And again, it reintroduces the idea of sitting down, talking about either light or hard topics and, and having the human experience. I think that this is lacking, especially in the sense of, of a place to go in the evenings. So coffee in America, a lot of times is seen as a place to get a quick jolt in the morning um, on your way to work, stop by, you know, the big box coffee store, so to speak, get your, your mochas, get your, your, your hot cappuccinos and be on your way. And then, you know, make coffee from, from the, the work coffee pot, you know, and get that 2 p.m. lull, 3 p.m. lull, have, have a little pick-me-up. But I think would be a great way, and I think already these cafes are, are doing it, is instituting, again, a new place to, to meet together and to, to visit with friends and meet new people. It would be even better, I think, to have an alternate to the bars and clubs that are, are very um, prolific in big cities. And Kansas City has, you know, whole districts dedicated to bars and clubs, and they have their time and place, and they're great. But for people who maybe they're more introverted or, or don't necessarily like the loud noises that clubs bring, have have the availability to go to just a cafe where all they serve is maybe maybe some light dinner, coffee, or maybe some alcoholic beverages, but nothing too crazy. Because the idea of the cafe culture is to be lax, is to be jovial, to have fun, but it's not necessarily a time to get inebriated or intoxicated. The cafe culture, I think, could be definitely re-established as a place that welcomes all walks of life and would be a great way for young individuals, young entrepreneurs to to meet and exchange ideas, as well as talk about their families, talk about their hobbies. And I have seen creative spaces that incorporate a cafe where you could go paint or you could go draw or you could go make a craft, but also be able to have a wide variety of coffee beverages, maybe some light lunch and explore and create and have that sense of community. I think it's a really, really awesome idea. All right, so let us transition to some brewing techniques and I will first start off with saying of my very favorite brewing techniques. I have a couple and it really depends upon honestly the mood I'm in or if I'm in a rush or, or what I feel like making. For me personally, I really enjoy the classic pour over method. Um, the pour over method was actually a, a German method that was invented uh, way back at the turn of the century, and it was used, you know, again, because there wasn't necessarily as, as a wide array of electric percolators at the time. So it was used as a way to make coffee, and it was good and portable, and so people could use it on the go, soldiers could use it, etc. The technique was also adapted, um, you know, widely across Europe and also into Japan. In fact, my current pour-overs I use, I use a Chemex, I also use a Hario V60, which a Hario is a Japanese company, and they make a whole array of, of pour-overs and coffee gadgets and that sort of thing. But the reason why I like pour-over so much is because, in my opinion, and also there is science to back this up, and I can do a whole episode on pour-over coffees someday, 
but the the pour over coffee extraction is perhaps the best and it, it takes out the acidity the bitterness of, of, of the beans especially if you're using a, a paper filter but even if you're using just a mesh um, metal filter the the way that you're, you're doing the beans you're, you're being careful you, you're going in your circular patterns you're weighing them you know how much water how much coffee to water ratio you're using it makes such a difference in the taste and the the artistry that goes into the roasting of the coffee is much more evident when used with a pour over or similar method as opposed to a, a drip method which again is quite good coffee but if the roaster is going for very delicate notes notes that would be otherwise be muted by a, a more bulk coffee method, which would be drip coffee. Um, that's not to say that it isn't time consuming because you're looking at five to six minutes, maybe even eight minutes to to make to make a cup of coffee. Whereas if you just want, you know, pop pop in a K cup and use a Keurig, then you have coffee, you know, within a minute, minute and a half. But the point of the pour over is to have an experience, to, to enjoy coffee, is to taste those notes, and again. I was kind of like skeptical when I first started with the coffee. I was like, how can there be notes of berries and notes of citrus and all those things? But I definitely was convinced that it was possible after trying um, my friend Ruben's pour over and then subsequent pour overs at many different coffee shops. And I was just enamored by it. So I, it was that summer that I bought a pour over for myself and, you know, was starting to buy some craft coffee and making pour over for myself. And I've been making pour over for over eight years. And perhaps my second favorite method of making coffee is French press. I enjoy French press because it is quick, but also it produces a really yummy cup. And you can also have bigger French presses. So if you're making two cups of coffee or if you're filling up a big to-go thermos before work, it's a really convenient way of doing so. And again, it is a, a, a method that you kind of just have to set the timer for, stir, then you, you plunge it, and then you pour. It's pretty simple, but also produces really tasty beans. I, I feel it also does justice to the more delicate roast as well. It perhaps isn't as refined as you would find in the pour over, but I also like it just as well. In fact, I was gifted a all-in-one mobile French press to-go cup. And this is one of the most fascinating coffee gifts I've ever gotten because the idea was that you put the coffee grounds in there, you put the water, you let it do the four minutes or however strong you like it, you stir it. You put the plunger in, which is actually kind of the, the base for the coffee. And then there's a filter that presses the coffee water up, but leaves the coffee grounds, you know, in, in this little chamber. The problem that I have with it is I would forget to clean it out and it'd become really gross and nasty. And um, actually, I rediscovered it a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this. And I haven't opened it up, so I don't know if there's just been coffee in it for an undisclosed amount of time. But... If not, I would like to reuse it again because, again, it's a really quick way. It's really convenient, and it's really tasty. I really enjoy enjoy French press. Now, there's, of course, arguably a handful, if not 20 or so, more methods of making coffee that they can either mirror themselves or very specific. Some of the more exotic ways of making coffee is through a siphon, and I feel like I'm, I'll make a more exotic making a coffee episode later on. But something I want to wrap up this episode with is talking about you know your cafe drinks or your, your espressos and your cappuccinos that sort of thing so something i i feel like i want to clear up for all those people who have heard the word espresso and not sure what it means or they do know what it means and what what the roast means so espresso simply is just a pressed high pressurized type of way of making coffee it's the method it's not the roast i feel like in america it has become kind of both the roast name and also how it's made 
And so, oh, if I want espresso roast, then that means it's a dark roast, which isn't necessarily the case because there are plenty of coffee shops, especially around here in Kansas City, that their espresso roast is, is a medium or lighter roast. And the method is what determines if it's espresso or not, not, not the dark darkness or the boldness of the flavor. And in fact, the more you roast a coffee bean, the less amount of caffeine it has. This is just simple science because it, it becomes evaporated in, into the air. So the caffeine molecule concentration is higher when you have lighter roast as opposed to medium or darker roast, which is actually kind of goes against what I have understood growing up even that, oh, the darker the roast, the, the, the bolder it is. So that must mean it has the higher caffeine content when in fact, the lighter medium roast is where you're going to have your highest caffeine concentration. And that is such the case when you go to these craft coffee stores and you get even a shot of espresso by yourself and it's like, it is a trip because you're like, wow. It is definitely, definitely very strong. It's delicious. You can taste, you know, the, the, the barista and how they are able to craftly use the, the machine to make, to extract all the flavors that need to be there. But also it's, it's definitely taking you off guard. It isn't quite like anything you've had before. In fact, that's, that's why a lot of times the espresso drinks are mixed with, with milk, either dairy or in, in more, more, um, more awareness years with non-dairy alternatives such as soy or oat, oat milk. And this is to, to kind of nullify or to balance the more acidic, bright flavors that espresso has. And this is done through milk frothing. And that's, you've seen it, you've heard the noise that the, the high-pitched kind of screaming, squealing noise that the barista uses to froth the milk. And that's, again, the different, basically the differences between cappuccino, macchiato, cortado, that sort of thing, is the ratio of coffee to milk. And there's lots where there's more coffee, less milk, more milk, less coffee. But it all depends upon if you're a cappuccino, cortado, etc. And there's actually also differences in how the big stores do it, as opposed to the traditional cafe barista styles with the more European styles. And I will definitely get into that a little later on in some further episodes. Thank you for listening to Skyline Casey Coffee Chat with Andrew. I hope you enjoyed learning about some coffee and that you continue to to search coffee, look up coffee become more of an aficionado it is a wonderful journey and it is a rabbit hole i'm gonna be honest to you and i ask that if you like the podcast you share it you like it you go and i'll look up skyline coffee kc look at the the products what i'm roasting right now i have what i'm calling a plaza lights holiday roast um i have some ideas for some more roasts coming up in the new year thanks for the listen like and subscribe and i'll see you next time on kc coffee chat